Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. Father, I pray that you would bless your word today, as you always do. Quicken it and make it alive to our hearts, I ask in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the word of God today. Thank you for the power it works in our lives. As we look at the power of your word today, let the Holy Spirit anoint everything that's said. Anoint our ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What I want to talk to all of you today about is the, um, the power of the word of God. We've been looking at some of the new steps for a, a brand new believer. I've had a lot of people come to Christ lately. Baptized 11 people just a couple weeks ago. And um, so I wanted to, we've been talking about the, some very important things about the newness of our faith. The first thing that we looked at is um, our baptism and what it means. It's so powerful when you actually study it. Second thing that we looked at is our communion and the Lord's Supper that we celebrate, the power of it, the effectiveness of it in our lives. God doesn't ask us to do anything out of religious routine. It all releases power. It all releases the glory of God in our lives. Last week, we looked at the exchange life. It's not about Christianity being about us on a journey of self-improvement. That's not what it is. It's about the discovery that we have exchanged our lives with Christ and that Christ now lives within us, and Christ in us is the hope of glory. So you don't have to get on this journey of self-improvement. That is futile. This is about learning how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, how to walk in the righteousness of Christ. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God through him. And so that's really amazing. We become the righteousness of God by the promise of the Lord. Today what we're going to be looking at is um, what does a Christian eat? What is our food? And our food is the word of God. What I'd like to start out with is just our understanding of uh, the nature of, of humanity and why it is different from all the rest of creation. It is, without a doubt, the most messed up part of all of creation. It is the most complicated part of all creation. Human beings, you see the best and the worst of everything that's been made. The truth of the matter is, is because we missed destiny, that we were created in the image of God, and God saw us, and it was very good. So the intention for mankind is not what we see, and it will not be the ultimate destiny of humanity. I would like to just start out reading in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where it says this about you. It says this about us. God said, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. Made in the image of God, that's what man is. Made in the likeness of him. Not much evidence of that right now, but we're going to get there. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. So I'm just reading that for all of you so that you understand that you are in the likeness of God. Now, you might just say, but look at me. I'm not nearly as grand, not nearly as great, limited to time and space, got this little segment of life. How on earth am I created in the image and in the likeness of God? But notice in that passage that we just read that God says, but I'm going to give you food to eat. He only talks about physical food. But then Lord, the Lord just helps us to understand, but no, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to bring spiritual food to you. When Adam and Eve were created in the image of God and in their perfection, they hadn't fallen yet, and their spirits were completely alive to God. They hadn't sinned yet, and so death and the destruction of the human spirit hadn't happened yet. It didn't need to be nourished. They just needed to nourish their physical body, which 
which housed this image of God, the, the spiritual side of man. So God said, I've given you the, 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 the plants to eat, everything that yields seed on the surface of the entire earth. You're allowed to eat that. That'll be food for you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says this, And the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground, and here's what sets mankind apart from the entire rest of creation. After God formed man out of the dust from the ground, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living person. Now, not just living. It doesn't say that about the animals. They're living. But that actually, that man became a living person. It means he became a spiritual being in the likeness of God. What differentiates mankind from all the rest of creation and God's original intention is that God formed him out of the dust of the ground, but then he breathed. The word there in the Hebrew is ruach which means breath, it means wind. God blew wind into the lungs of Adam, and he became a living spiritual being in the very likeness of God. I want you to know humanity is inbreathed, inbreathed by God. Now, that's very important for us to remember because we're going to see that something else has been breathed into by God. As beings that have been breathed into, we need nourishment that's been breathed into. We have to have it. So it's not enough for us just to eat the food that we can find on the planet that's all around us. Because man was created in the image of God, and in the image of God, he lost the reflection of the image of God, and now he must be restored. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you were restored back to the in-breathed, spiritually awakened, alive to God, the journey to being the likeness and the reflection of God. The whole purpose that Jesus came is that you might be restored back to being like God in your nature. Yes, we carry it in a body that is dying, a body that likes immediate stimulation, um, goes beyond its limitations, it does things in excess. It's where the corruption can still lie inside the person, but spiritual, as far as a spiritual being, God wants to restore the breath of God inside of you. God told Adam and Eve, you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In that day, you will surely die. The inbreathing of the effects of God, ruach into Adam, and he became a living spiritual being. In the day that he sinned, he spiritually died. He became nothing more than a physical being with a soul, which means he was conscious of his own existence. So I'm explaining all this, and bear with me as I lay a foundation, but God's intention for every person sitting in the room right now or anybody that's listening online, God's intention is your restoration back to being a reflection of the glory of God. Amen. That is your eternal destiny. That is a state in which you will be forever and forever and forever. Though now for a short season, we continue to live it, to carry a heavenly treasure in an earthen body, but someday this body will be raised from the dead and we will be then in every way, physically, soul-wise, spiritually, we will be in all ways coming into the perfection of God. How are you a reflection of God? First off, you have to understand that you're a moral creature. So that your morality, which just means a, a desire for the understanding between right and wrong. Listen, we live in a day right now that, you know, it seems like evil is good and good is evil. And no matter where you land on that whole swing of the pendulum, you have to realize every human being still is longing for and understanding what is right and what is wrong. What does it mean to be a moral human being? You seek to know what's good and what's not good. You want to find out what really is a valuable place to put your energy because you want your life to have meaning. That, you don't find that in the, the, the rest of creation, the pursuit of meaning. You don't find any other created being that's building temples because they're longing 
for a relationship with something beyond themselves, a connection with the divine. Even as God wanted a connection and he made man, we are created in the image of God and there is a human longing to be connected back to the eternal. The Bible says this about every human being. There's eternity in their heart. What does that mean? People want legacy. They want meaning. They will live their whole life to determine what might be carved on their tombstone. It's eternity. The sense that something went before me and something coming is, that is coming after me. I enter the stage and I leave the stage. And during that, though, even though my stage experience might only be long, I want to discover what's beyond it. That's being created in the image of God. Also being created in the image of God is the ability to have free choice. All of you came here today by free choice. You made a decision. You made a decision to pursue God today whether you even thought it completely out in those terms. Free choice. God gave to man free choice. God had a choice to choose us or to not choose us. He said this, let us make man in our own image. God, you are out of the choice of God. That's why you exist. And you determine your relationship with God by your choice of him. That's being created in the image of God. This longing for relationship, this desire to exercise free choice, it's we've been given an intellectual capacity to perceive of God. Whether you believe in him or not, you have an intellectual capacity to be able to hear stories about God, read the Bible about God, and yet have the capacity to understand. The animals don't have that. You can sit with your dog and explain God all you want, he's not going to get it. But the thing is this, is that God has given us this ability. And then also we have a spiritual nature. Why do we believe in the invisible? And why do we long for the explanation of it? Well, it's because man was breathed into by God. You were to breathe. Respiration is breathing. Inspiration is breathed in. You were the inspiration of God. You were inspired by God. You, were, you are who you are because God inspirationally thought of you. You inspire God because you came out of his imagination. And you carry within you today because of the, the part of you that is a reflection of the image of God is because mankind was breathed into. Now, let me just explain this to you concerning food and the spiritual nature of man having been breathed into. Since you carry not just a physical body, but a breathed in greater reality, your physical body will be cast into a grave, but your spiritual being will live forever. A man should not live merely by physical food. He has to feed himself spiritually. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Very interesting. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. So the devil can't just randomly come after you. You are born again, saved, washed clean with the blood of Jesus Christ, your steps are ordained by the Lord. Even if you find yourself in an hour of temptation. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. A natural reaction. When during a fast, you can lose the desire for food completely during the entire fast. But when the body is saying it can no longer feed itself from stored nutrients, it can't keep up with that, the hunger mechanism is released. Commonly, it happens around the 40th day. And Jesus found himself suddenly, when it says he was hungry, it's not like hungry at 5 o'clock. It is the body saying, you will eat, and you need to eat now. It is, it is 
kicking in, all your pancreas is kicking in, your liver is kicking in, your gallbladder is kicking in. Suddenly, everything that was content to rest suddenly is firing back up. And you don't just have appetite, you have a ravenous hunger. And that's where Jesus, Jesus was. And the tempter came to him when he was hungry and said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. He met him at a moment where he was physically weak and diminished. But Jesus had fasted. Why? Because he sought spiritual food. He was physically weak, but he was spiritually strong. Because he had just spent 40 days acknowledging in a very real, in a very physical way, I don't live for physical food. I live for my father. He said, my will is to, my food is to do the will of the father. 40 days, 40 days Jesus fasted before he was going to come into the fullness of his destiny and the reason for which he had been born. He had already lived 30 years, Jesus himself, the very Son of God, and yet he had not come into the fullness of his destiny. Do you remember what his destiny was when he went with his disciples? He told them to go out and heal. But he said, only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus wasn't going beyond the boundaries of his personal destiny. He was called to the nation of Israel as the Messiah that was promised in the scriptures. Jesus wanted his destiny, but there was a process, a process of acknowledging, I don't live just merely as a physical man. I am a spiritual man with a spiritual inheritance and a spiritual destiny. Do you say that about yourself? I'm a spiritual man. I'm a spiritual woman with a calling, a destiny destiny, a purpose, and it is eternal. And he sought it. He sought it, and he made himself hungry, and he humbled himself. And the devil came to him at that moment because the devil knew this. It's not a sin if you have the ability to turn a stone into bread. It's not a sin to do it. But it would have been a sin for Jesus because we would have done it at the bidding of Satan. Do you remember that Jesus said, like sometimes you can say, well, I can do that. It's not a sin. But if it's not the following in obedience to the Lord, it's a sin. It is. And Jesus could have just, you know, in a moment just said, hey, sounds like a good idea. That rock would be taste a lot better if it was bread. And so what in that moment, the temptation is because remember that he said, I don't do anything unless I see the father do it. And I don't say anything unless I hear the father say it. In other words, he's saying this, I do not allow myself ever to do anything or speak anything unless it has been revealed to me beforehand that the father's doing it. If he's doing it, I'll do it. So he couldn't, he couldn't do something as innocuous as turn one little lousy stone into a piece of bread if it had been something that he hadn't seen the father do. And so then the devil comes to him, tempts him. If you're the son of God, command these stones become bread. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I will live on every word that comes out of the mouth of God, not out of the mouth of any other source. Only the mouth of God is the means by which I live. A man shall not live by bread alone. Yes, he didn't say you can never have bread. He says, but you can't have that alone. You can have the bread for the nourishment of the physical body, but always remember that it houses a spiritual man that has to have spiritual food. It must have it. What was Jesus quoting from there? I mean, it's amazing. Jesus is weakened. He's in a diminished state physically. But then the devil tempts him three times, but his response every time was with the word of God. He didn't just go around saying, I'm the son of God. Devil, come on over here. We're going to have it down and out, you and me, and I'm going to kick you so hard. I'm going to kick you in tomorrow, and I'll never have to worry with you again. No, what did Jesus do? 
He didn't, he didn't call upon his own resources, but he replied to the devil with the word of God. You know what that is? That's humility. That's a man who says, I cannot live in any way except by the word of God. I can't fight the devil except by the word of God. If I'm not filled with the word of God, I've got no strategies. I've got no weapons. I've got no armor on. I've got nothing. Even the very son of God, the Messiah himself says, you cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Where did Jesus get that scripture verse from? Let me just read this for you in Deuteronomy chapter 8. God is addressing the nation of Israel. What did they have? A calling, a purpose, and a destiny. They had an, an, a, a nation that they were called to inherit. A Jewish people were called to inherit a very physical nation. Who does that remind you of? It reminds you of Jesus, who was given a nation to inherit it. It was his first inheritance. He would eventually see that all the nations would become the kingdom of God and of the Messiah. But he came to fulfill a destiny that had been given to the forefathers of the nation of Israel. They were told, God, by God, I will give you a land. But God told them, this will be the, pro the process by which you gain that land. All the commandments that I am commanding you, God speaking to the Jews, Today you shall be careful to do them. Be careful to do the word of God so that you may live and increase. How many of you would love to live and increase today, right? Go in, take possession of the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. Go in and take what God has promised you. That's your destiny. And you shall remember all the ways which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. Oh, wait a minute. 40 years before they inherit the land, they wandered by the, by the leading of God. They wandered 40 years in the wilderness. Wow, could that have something to do with Jesus fasting for 40 days being led by God in the wilderness? Was Jesus going after something that the forefathers had been promised and they lost the opportunity, they lost the land, and Jesus said to them, what you have lost as far as your inheritance, I am coming to restore. And I, Jesus decided he was going to walk the journey of the Jews because they walked it, but they didn't obey the Lord and they lost their inheritance. But Jesus has come to them and Jesus has come to you to restore the inheritance that was promised to you, any promise unfulfilled in your life. Jesus walked the path for you to have it. The Lord says, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your, Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years in order to humble you, putting you to the test. Wow, that sounds like Jesus. He ended up 40 days in the wilderness to be humbled by the Lord and to be put to the test. God sent Jesus by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. It was to test the mettle and the resolve of Jesus. To see what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you go hungry. God said to the Jews, I'm going to let you be in the wilderness 40 years and I'm going to let you go hungry. What was that the picture of? Why did Jesus fast for 40 days in the wilderness? To be humbled, to pass the test, and to experience hungry, hunger that brings humility. When you fast before the Lord, it's humbling. It really is. It will break your spirit. I can hardly do anything without weeping. I can hardly pray without weeping when I fast. Why? Because you're chastening. You're chastening your physical body. You're diminishing your, your mental strength, your mo emotional strength. You are weakening yourself deliberately, saying, I live for God. And so hunger works something in people. Nothing will humber, hum, uh, humble a nation like a famine. Nothing will. And so the Lord said, I fed you manna, which you did not know. I sent you there to be hungry, and I fed you manna. In other words, you received heavenly food. 
which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, in order to make you understand that man shall not live on bread alone, but man shall live on everything that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. What was given to the nation of Israel was a picture of how you and I live. We live with an awareness that I wasn't created to be a beast of the field that get, awakens in the morning and pursues food the entire day and then falls asleep at night. Jesus addressed that on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, don't live like the Gentiles live. They, don't, don't live like unbelievers live. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Where can I find shelter? That's animalistic. The difference between a human being and an animal is an animal has a body and it has a soul, which is a consciousness of its own existence. But it doesn't have a spirit. You are inbreathed by God. You are body, soul, and spirit. And you can feed your body as a Christian and forget to feed your spirit. So we find the Jews, the Jews were about to take the land. Jesus was about to take the land. They were 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus is 40 days in the wilderness. They were experienced hunger. Jesus experienced hunger. They were led by the Spirit of God, by God himself, to pass a test. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He, they were humbled. And Jesus was humbled. And Jesus came out of the wilderness victorious. He got what the others couldn't get. The forefathers weren't born again of the Spirit of God. They had received the law, but they hadn't received the grace of Jesus Christ. Believer, you have received the grace of Jesus Christ to be alive to God and to be dead to sin. You were created in Christ Jesus. You were created not for dead works, but for living works, for godly works, for holy works. You are, your inner man is created only to do the right thing. Your body wants to do the wrong thing, but you, yourself, the born again you, the old has passed away and everything has become new. If you want your spirit man to dominate your physical man, it comes down to this very simple thing. It all depends on what you feed. You, you're a person who just feeds your physical flesh, you'll be a very physical being. If you're a person who feeds your spiritual self, you'll be a spiritual being. I'm telling you, whatever you feed, imagine it looks like two dragons living inside of you, and you want one to beat the other. Who's going to win? Well, starve the one and feed the other. Before you know it, the one you fed is the one who wins. Now, I want to tell you something. Get your mind off trying to perfect your flesh. The only thing you can do with your flesh is starve it. That's the only thing that you can do. Just don't feed it. Some people think their religious pursuit and their, their, their moral excellence is found in becoming a better person. I'm telling you, that is being carnally minded. That's being focused on you. When you just say to yourself, I'm going to be a better person. You get up in the morning and say, I'm not going to do it today. Then at noon you say, I'm not going to do it. And then in the evening you say, I'm not going to do it. Let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to do it. You know why? Because you fed the part that is that by telling it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. You try any habit and say, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, that habit becomes three times as strong. Yes, All you need to do is the Lord just says this, don't give it any more than you need to. Just starve it when it, you know, what's that? You know those gopher things at Chuck E. Cheese where you hit them on their head? When your flesh pops up, just whack its head down. But... Life is much more than whacking gophers, isn't it? What God wants of us to do is he's saying, but no, the, starve the one. And listen, if you fall, repent and put it aside. You focus on the fact that you fell, you feed the monster. Stop focusing on perfecting yourself. Starve the flesh and feed the spirit. And you speak life. You speak life to your spirit. Stop speaking death to yourself. That's not the destiny of the believer. I love the fact that the Bible has two references to Jesus. First is his reference to himself. In John 6, 48, he said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down out of heaven so that anyone may eat from it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. 
If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. Jesus referred to himself as bread. He referred to himself as food. Jesus is food. All right? Food is love. God is love. Jesus is food. It all makes sense. Jesus is nourishment. He is food. Jesus said, a man has to eat my flesh and drink my blood. He says, I'm food. I am to be consumed. It's reflected in our communion meal. But this is what the Word of God says about Jesus as well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. So not only does the Bible refer to Jesus as bread, it also says that Jesus is the Word. Jesus is bread. Jesus is the Word. Therefore, the Word of God is bread. You eat the word of God. You want to discover Jesus. Go after the word. Jesus releases the word of God inside of you. Why am I not growing? Why am I not becoming more like Christ? Because we're not eating him as desperately as we sustain physical life. If only the meal prep time for Jesus was as extensive as dinner time, we probably would have a completely different way of living our faith. By the time you go to the grocery store every day, by the time you carry it into the house, by the time you prep the meal, by the time you set it out, by the time you get everybody at the table, by the time you push yourself away from the table, by the time you're done cleaning up the mess, but I don't have time for the Word of God. Think about it. The truth of the matter is that we are more engaged in the sustenance of the physical body than we are in the spiritual body. The very heart of fasting is the reminder. In the morning when you get up and you say, man, I'd love some bacon and eggs, but then you just say to yourself, it's a very physical response, but it's a spiritual awakening. No, wait a minute. I'm not eating today because I'm recognizing today that I am a spiritual being. And I live for God. And you take that time to be with the Lord. Just Then it's lunchtime. I've actually had it happen. I'm like this. Oh, oh, I'm fasting. And I have to take it out of my mouth. It's such a habit. Such a habit to keep the physical body sustained. And yet at the same time, we don't live with a conscious awareness. I don't live for physical food. In order for us to be able to grow into success, we have to be committed to the words of Jesus Christ. As a Christian, you cannot be successful. Uh, You know, the world has measurements of success. A job, uh, income, house, career, measurements of success. You cannot be, though, a successful Christian without the Word of God playing the vital role in your life. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who's built his house on a rock. Your life is like building a house. Isn't that amazing that the Lord would use very physical things that we do to build, and yet the Lord says, when you eat food, it's just a reflection that you should be more concerned about eating the Word of God. When you build your life, people build houses, roofs over their heads. But the Lord Jesus says, but no, if you build your life on my words, you're building a house. You can build a physical house to live under the roof and have never built your spiritual house. Jesus says, a man who builds his house on the words and he acts on them, obedience, when the rains fall and the floods come and the winds blow and slam against that house, it does not fall because it had been founded on a rock. You build your life on the word of God, and you build a rock-solid foundation. Everybody in this room knows a house is only as sturdy as its foundation. 
So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, all Scripture, now listen to this, all Scripture, you're going to love this, is inspired by God. Every Scripture in the Bible has been breathed into by God. Now you say, oh, inspired, yeah. I thought one of those songs this morning was inspired too. It might have been inspiring, but that doesn't mean it was inspired. The Word of God has been breathed into by God. You, as a created in the image of God, were originally breathed into as the line of humanity. Sin came, man spiritually died. But when you met Christ, you were once again inspired. You were breathed in by God. You are an inspiration of God. You, your very existence is inspiring to God because you have been a recipient of the inspiration, not respiration, that's your own. Inspiration is another one breathing into you. Now the Lord says this, a man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And what did we just read? That the word of God, your Bible, carries the inspiration of God. Inspired beings must eat inspired food. In the same way, if you try to exist on food that doesn't carry within itself the life force, no vitamins, never been alive. You try to just live off of, you can't eat things that weren't alive and sustain life. You cannot consume as far as the intake of all words and thoughts and ideas. If they were not made alive by God, you cannot sustain a healthy spiritual life. The word of God is as important as vitamins in food and minerals in food and the life force within food. It's all so important. All scripture is inspired by God, breathed in by God, and is beneficial to you. It releases health in you. It says this, it'll teach you. Teach you about what? Teach you about God about yourself. That's what the Bible does. It teaches you about how to do life. Then it says it's beneficial for you to rebuke you. In other words, it's saying you keep on that path and that's a path of destruction. The Bible will rebuke you saying get off that path. It's not good for you. It'll rebuke you, but it, that would just be condemnation. No rebuke, it says, and then the next thing it says is correction. In other words, it doesn't come just to condemn. It comes to correct your path. Get off this path. Hey, this is the path to be on. It rebukes, it corrects, and then it trains you in righteousness. It doesn't tell you what's the right path, but it tells you how to get on it and how to run on that path. The Bible is a trainer. It's amazing so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. The Lord wants you, say these words with me, fully capable, fully equipped for every good work. Fully capable, fully equipped for every good work. That's a promise if you'll be in the word. That's astounding to me. No matter what you do, what is your destiny? What is your calling? What journey has God set you on? Where, where do you spend your life right now? What do you feel like God wants you to do? The Lord's saying in that place, get filled with the word of God and I will fully equip you. I will make you fully capable. Yes. I'm telling you, when you want to step out and do what you feel like God has called you to do, one of the biggest questions is, am I capable, and do I have the equipment? Mm -hmm. Mental, emotional, physical, God says, get filled with the word, fully capable, fully equipped. We have a beautiful picture, the picture of Jesus. Jesus said, I'm like the manna that came down out of heaven. Let me remind you about the manna. 
when it came to the nation of Israel, when God fed them when they were hungry, God told them, every day when you get up, there will be manna. The dew will fall on the ground. The sun will hit it. It will evaporate the dew. And what will be left behind is what this thing calls manna. It's the substance by which you can make bread. But the Lord said this, but don't take more than what you need for that day. Don't try to hold on to it. Keep it in jars until tomorrow. The Lord is saying the nature of manna is this, is that there should be an expectation for daily bread. God has a word for you every day in the scriptures, every day. I don't care where you're at in your bookmarker on what scriptures you're supposed to read for that day to get through the Bible in a year. That's a formula for failure. But when you read that thing, I want you to go to the word of God and expect that God's got daily bread for you. And the first time that God let it happen, some people got more than what they needed. They thought they'd make it last for two days, and it rotted in the jar, and Moses got really angry at them for disobeying the Lord. The thing about this is that the Lord wants you to know, I've got daily bread. You go, oh, like, oh man, that's just so, I don't know. Well, think about physical food. Three times a day and never miss a meal or a day. The Lord wants us to have daily Bread. The Lord says, my sheep hear my voice. So I'm just going to very quickly go through some things. Here's good reasons to read the word of God. First off, it will, it will increase your devotion and love for God. A lot of times we call reading the Bible, I had my devotions. What does that mean? The word of God creates devotion. Devotion means this, an increase of love, loyalty, and enthusiasm for a person. When you spend your time in the word, you fall more in love with Jesus. Second reason to read it. Read the word of God because it will increase your faith. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I don't know if I can believe for that. I'll just give you a couple quick examples. You need a healing? Find all the scripture verses in the Bible about healing. I'm the Lord that heals you. That's what he said to us. The word of God will send healing to your bones. That's another scripture verse that you can go to. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He'll forgive all your iniquities and he'll heal all your diseases. You're saying, I can't get faith to believe. Where does faith come from? It comes by hearing the word of God. You say, what about my children? I don't know about them. Well, remember in Cornelius, in the book of Acts, promised by the apostle, the apostle, you shall be saved in your household. Get hold of that scripture. Claim it. You believe God for it. The Psalms of the Ascent says your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house and your children like olive plants around your table. So what do you do? You build up your faith and you pray the word of God over your children. So, then that's, so the first thing, increase devotion. Second thing, increase of faith. Third thing, it gives victory over sin. Psalms 119 says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? Well, that's a good question. And they didn't even have internet in Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping according to your word. With all my heart I sought you. Don't let me wander from your commandments. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. When you treasure the word of God, when you fill yourself with the word of God, you lose your taste for sin. And you get a taste for God. When you read the word of God, it increases your maturity. The Apostle Paul told the church of Corinth, I, I, when I came to you, I couldn't speak to you like spiritual people, but only as fleshly, like your infants in Christ. That's what he said. Because when it comes to the word of God, you've never grown up. He says, I can't, I can't give you milk. I, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, because you weren't capable to consume it. But even now, you're not yet able. You're still fleshly. There's jealousy and strife among you. Some of them were saying, oh, I'm following Pastor Paul. Another, oh, I'm following Apostle um, Apollo. And, I'm, and he says, I, I, I can't even deal with you. You're too immature, man. You're not filled with the Word of God. The Word of God makes us more like Christ. It brings maturity. Another thing, reading the Word of God teaches us how to hear the Holy Spirit. The Apostle John, writing to the believers, said this, These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him remains in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie. I'm just, what is the anointing? It's the Holy Spirit. Anointing is oil, and that represents the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul said, John, said, this is what God has for you. You shouldn't have to be spoon-fed your entire life. 
God's given preachers, God's given teachers. The Bible is very clear about that. But he just told them, you don't need, some of, some of these apostles and teachers, they're actually out to deceive you. But the apostle Paul said, you have an anointing. You can trust the Holy Spirit to lead you through the word of God. Now, here's the whole thing. You want to learn how to hear the voice of God? Read the word of God. You'll begin to understand what the Holy Spirit sounds like when he speaks to you. But you need the parameters and the guidelines of the Word of God. So let's say you, your family needs a home, maybe a place to rent, something like that. Third Street, a place comes up available. So you can't go to the Bible and find where the Lord says, get the house on Third Street. <laughs> but can God tell you, lead you to get the house on Third Street if it's His will? Absolutely. But how do you know it's the voice of God? Because you stay in the Word. And when you stay in the word, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, and you know what his voice sounds like. You've got to read the word of God so that you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, so that when he guides you just even in practical manners, matters, you're, you're ready and available for it. So two more. Read the Bible. It will produce a powerful prayer life. As a matter of fact, Jesus actually guarantees 100% effective prayer life. Imagine that. He said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The Bible teaches us how to pray and how to long for the things that God longs for. And then finally this, if you read the word of God, it will create a fire in you like a fire shut up in your bones. Amen. Jeremiah was a man, how do you not lose your zeal for God? Stay in the word of God. I'm not talking about just where you can survive serving the Lord your whole life, but I'm talking about where you have a fire down in your belly, a fire for God. The, what Jeremiah, God told the prophet Jeremiah, I'm going to send you to a nation that won't listen to you. Thanks, God. Just the ministry I was looking for. I suppose it doesn't mean when I'm invited to speak there, I'll be at the Ritz-Carlton. Can you imagine how tiring it got? To, to know that the Lord says, no matter how hard you preach, you're not going to listen. And Jeremiah said this, each time I speak, I cry aloud. I proclaim violence and destruction because for me, the word of the Lord has resulted in taunting and derision all day long. But if I say, I will not remember him nor speak any more in his name, then in my heart, it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I'm tired of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. Do you want the kind of life where you just say to God every day, God, I'm so sick of it. I'm quitting today. I'm quitting, God. I'm not, I'm quitting. I'm not doing it anymore, God. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not opening my mouth again. Oh, but then it just starts burning inside your bones. And you cannot hold the fire back. Because you carry within yourself the word of the Lord. And, and what's more important to you is to hear the voice of God than it is to avoid the rejection of men. Thank you, Lord. That, how do you keep your fire? You stay in the word. Because no matter how hard you try to not do the word of God anymore, if it's in you, it'll burn its way out of you. Right? Amen. Isn't that what we want at the end of the day? We want to be on fire for God. Let's all just stand up. Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord today. And I pray, God, that your spirit would come and confirm the word of God in our hearts. I pray for every believer here today who feels as though they've been lax recently with the word of God. I pray, Father, that you would bring them back to their daily bread. We would just say, give us this day our daily bread. Oh, God, we ask it in Jesus' name. I pray that everyone would come into the inheritance of their destiny. They wouldn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I know I have a couple minutes to close, but I'm, I can't close without giving an opportunity. Maybe someone's here today, you never met Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says this, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Choose this day whom you will serve. Nothing will change just by sitting in this building. Nothing will change by just hearing what I'm sharing today. 
Only Jesus can change our lives. Only Jesus can forgive us of our sins. Only Jesus can restore us back to the image of God. He died for our sins. He shed his blood. He was crucified upon the cross. He bared our agony so that we could receive freely, not the judgment of God, but the forgiveness and the mercy of God. If you're here today and never met Jesus as your Savior and want to receive him today, and you say to me, Pastor Jim, I want to be included in the closing prayer of today, giving my heart to him. I'm going to ask you to do two things. First, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hands so I can see it. Just saying, Pastor Jim, today's my day. I'm giving my heart to Jesus. And then if you do, lift up your hand. Well, we will all pray together. Uh, but then I'm going to invite you to come to the front here. Um, the Lord said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. If you come forward, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to face anybody. Just... I'm not asking you to do it. This is just an acknowledgement. I have decided today I'm going to follow Jesus. No matter what the world thinks, I'm going to follow him. God's more important now. If you need him today, would you just lift up your hand saying, Pastor Jim, today, today's my day of salvation. Today I give my heart to Jesus. You'll feel a tug on your heart. Don't, don't, don't resist that. Do you know how honoring it is that God would actually be drawing you to himself? How honoring that is. Nothing to be embarrassed about. It's, we're talking about following God. Restored to our Creator, just in a moment, let the Holy Spirit just draw your heart. Let Him speak. He'll let you know whether you're a child of God. If you're here and you need Him, just lift up your hand. Father God, I just bless you today. I thank you for these wonderful people. I thank you that they sought you first today, the beginning of the day. I speak the blessing in the name of Jesus over you, your life, your household. Speak the blessing over your home. Over your singleness, I speak the blessing of the Lord over your marriages, your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, the inheritance of the Lord. I speak the protection of the Lord over you, angelic surrounding. I speak the, 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 the provision of the Lord, that the provision of the Lord shall be seen in your life. I pray for wisdom for you, direction, counsel, guidance, peace, yes. and joy. Yes. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. Bless these people as they leave. Let them be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you all. There'll be people here in the front. If you need prayer today for anything, please come forward. Let them pray with you. There's a prayer blessing of agreement coming together with someone else. So God bless you all. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.